1: A 20 yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap in the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins 22 19. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today Podcast. As always, I'm your host Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler. Today, we're just going to kind of be breaking down a little bit of the Auburn Arkansas game from last week. Uh, just talking about all the different aspects of that. We're going to be just kind of talking about the landscape of the SEC a little, and just kind of a, an interesting interesting discussion about uh, this football team. But so, Wheeler, why don't you take it away? Uh, you know, obviously, last week Auburn had you know two touchdown win against Arkansas. Looked arguably the best we have all season what were your thoughts kind of going into the game did you expect a performance like that do you think we were capable of a performance like that and how do you think that'll translate into the rest of the season
0: you know we we are not always the biggest Brandon Marcello fans on the show but I will say he wrote an article this week where he was basically saying that what Auburn did against Arkansas was the first game of the Brian Harson era that executed what Brian Harson has been trying to execute since he got to Auburn. So, I mean, you look at it, first drive. We've been so close on our first drives of all of our big games, I feel like, this season, to getting something good going. Like, the scripts, Bobo has done a tremendous job scripting his, his first offensive drive. It's worked every single time, and every single time it's stalled out because of a failure to execute the plays that are wide open. Um, So game starts off, obviously, Bo starts off. He hits a couple of quick outs. The receivers catch them. That opens up the running game a little bit. You establish the running game just a little bit, and then you hit a deep shot. And so it literally, what happened on the first drive against Arkansas was everything that we thought this offense could do if they would just execute the little things. And they finally were able to execute the little things. And I'm just gonna say, Bo Nix has become this, uh, like a, he's very much a hot hand quarterback. So like, if your first couple drives go well, he's hitting the out route, he's hitting the slant, he maybe he hits a deep ball, he's on for the rest of the game. Like you don't have to worry about Bo. If the first two or three drives go terrible, it's gonna be a bad day because yeah. like it's like once it's in his head that he's having a good day, you can't knock him off of it. But if he gets in his head, like oh no, this isn't good, then I feel like he thinks he has to like take over the game and things get real toxic. Um, so yeah, I mean, first drive, great script, great execution. It was perfect. Well, obviously, a lot happened during the game, but just for our initial thoughts, looking back, last drive is exactly what Bobo and Harson want to do on offense. They want to have I mean, it was literally a dream scenario. I think we were watching the game together, and I literally I looked at you and I said, this is what this team is built for. Like, the entire season, they are built for this moment where they have a one-touchdown lead or they're down by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. There's, what, like seven or eight minutes left on the clock, and you just go down the field and you bleed clock and move down the field. I mean, they went, like, I think 80 yards on 12 plays in six minutes. I mean, it was just – it was gorgeous. Like, it was old-school football. It was executed perfectly. You know, you they stayed on track. They would go first down, couple yards, second yard, get it to a third and short, have your third and short play, execute, 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 and then cap it off with a touchdown. I mean, it was beautiful. It was exactly what this offense is designed to do. And that's a frustrating thing when you're sitting there at the Georgia game and you're down by 24, and you know that it's going to take you 12 minutes to score two touchdowns. Uh-huh. But that's not, I mean, that the team is designed to have solid defense and then an offense that keeps the defense off the field, limit possessions, and make less mistakes. That's what Auburn is built to do. And right now, in the games we've lost, they've made mistakes. You know, I mean, it, and you can't play that style of play and make a bunch of mistakes. And that I think that's why Harson harps on little things not you know do your job on every single play because if you do your job on every single play you completely demoralize the other team you grind out the defense you make them tired and then your defense is staying fresh and it makes it hard for the other team to put up a bunch of points because they're not on the field at all so all that being said perfect execution of the game plan really exciting to see that performance
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, it it definitely can keep up, can keep an opposing offense just kind of, just kind of knock them off their groove, you know? Like when you're going and then you're, you're sitting for seven minutes of game time. I mean, that's like, that's like 20 minutes of real time, you know? Like, I mean, it's a lot of time to just be not playing. And so I definitely think it's a very good aspect the Auburn offense has and honestly that's something we haven't seen I thought like we hadn't seen in so long but we've seen it a lot this year where we're just like wow like that was a perfect drive and it's just it's really fun to watch I just think really like I mean I had my I mean we all had our reservations when Mike Bobo got hired we were all like okay like what's going on here because you know we, we kind of saw that it might happen if Kevin Steele was the head coach that he was the guy they were looking at and then they brought him in we all had some reservations but Honestly, I think he's done a really good job. And I think his play calling has been, I mean, pretty good. Like, if you look from game to game, we've been in a position – I mean, we've been in a position to score points against everybody. So, I definitely think that – I definitely think Mike Bobo's been a good good hire. And I just think that it's a very – it's just a very interesting team. You know? It's just a very interesting team. Uh, I agree with what you said about Knicks. But I do think if you look at how we played against Arkansas – and you can, you can chime in whenever, but if we play how we did against Arkansas, do you think we will win out?
0: I think they're going to have to step it up just a little bit more on defense because there were a couple of controversial calls from the refs that did help Auburn win the game. Definitely, They need to clean up a little bit of the penalties. But I think for the most part, really against Alabama, I think Alabama and Ole Miss are the toughest two games left. And if they play the way that they did, honestly, though, I think if they played the game that they played against Arkansas, against Ole Miss, they're going to beat them. Mm -hmm. Because that is, like, literally what Auburn does is the bane of Lane Kiffin's existence. And if they're able to impose the will of this is how the game is going to go, I mean, think about it. Lane loves to run, hurry up, go for it on fourth down. If he's going for it on fourth down, Arkansas did it several times. If the defense is able to make some stops and you make them pay – I mean, he even admits that the uh, the analytics that he uses are basically you're either going to win the game or you're going to get blown out. Like, mm-hmm. when you go for it on fourth down all the time, it it's not conducive to a lot of close losses necessarily. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think we have a really good shot at winning all of the games, assuming everybody stays healthy. And think about this. Right now, the defense is playing without – two of arguably – definitely the top player, I would say. Well, maybe the second-best player in Owen. And TD Moultrie, while he may not, you know, be a game-changing defensive end, he is a very solid player
1: and adds depth
0: and adds a pass rush.
1: Yeah, man, he was arguably the second-best defensive lineman we had up to the point in the season when he stopped playing.
0: Yeah, and so if you're somehow able to get him off of whatever suspension – you know whatever deal is going on with him, which hopefully I mean the rumor has kind of been that it might have been a four game suspension. Um, again, I feel like that's just a rumor nobody really knows, and I feel like Carson has not like mentioned the situation. Not at all. It's been like an odd thing, and I don't know if Harson has uh basically told the media like don't ask about this, uh, or you're not going to like the <laughs> the result because yeah. i feel like even like the media members have just kind of
1: let it go let
0: this pass that like he's just absent but um, i mean i understand that if a coach is basically saying like hey like let's not talk about this publicly i i'm not of the opinion that media people need to be a jerk and not follow the coach's requests because then they're not going to get any kind of insight and i would rather read insight you know on most things than get this one bombshell story that really doesn't matter. Like, if the guy doesn't play, he's not playing. It uh, it doesn't matter if we know why or if he's coming back. Um, and then Owen is starting to become – you remember when Carl Lawson, like, tore his ACL and Gus, mm-hmm. like, ran this thing of, like, oh, yeah, he's week to week. We're going to see if he can go in warm-ups. And it's like, no, this guy he can't he's move. not coming back. Like, <laughs> there was no chance. I'm beginning to wonder, did Owen do something, like, Bad, bad, and he's not coming back. Like it, it's becoming almost a thing of like they've been saying we're gonna see if he can go and warm ups, and then he doesn't like come close to warming up. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he's back next week. But yeah, I mean, no, I I thought the the defense played well. They got a takeaway. Um, I think the secondary started up in their game a little bit, in my opinion. Um, and I think the defensive line is potentially the most improved unit on the entire
1: team absolutely you know the I, I don't know I think Colby Wooden has definitely solidified himself as the guy that is a I mean he's just I mean he's an NFL player you know yeah. like obviously you know right now maybe not but like he's going to be playing on Sundays and there's no doubt about that um just the way that he has come in and just been able just to just to change the game really you know like the defensive line has been able to pressure the quarterback more, has been able to get some sacks, been able to force some turnovers, and that's just been – it's been great to see. And it's surprising that it's happened, you know, without TD Moultrie, you know, because it was like – it looked like, you know, going going up to that LSU game, it was like, okay, TD is the best pass rusher on the team. We knew that Wooden was great, but it was like – but, you know, you looked at Derek Hall and Leota and you were like, okay, these guys aren't getting it done when it comes to getting the passer – after TD's been gone, they've been, they've been stepping up and getting that. So we need definitely need to keep that going. Uh, I, so my, my thought process this whole week has been surprisingly one of, I mean, cautious, cautious optimism. I mean, you know, I mean, you know me, usually I'm, a am very much a realist, but I do think we can win all the games on our schedule. I think they're all winnable. Um, I'll tell you what though, and this is something that, a lot of people have disagreed with me. The Texas A&M game is a game that really scares me because they've got South Carolina. We're filming this on Saturday. They've got South Carolina today. They've got a bye week next week, and then they've got us at home. And Kyle Field is a very – I feel like it's a very inconsistent environment. When it's on, it's on. But it's not on that much. But, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I think if a and ranked like – you know, fourteen, and they're hosting us. I think it's going to be on. I think that's going to be a real tough test, especially seeing as how we're coming off of a big game against a really good SEC opponent, and they're coming off a bye. So I, I think that that game is the one to watch. I think that if we win that game, I'm confident that we that we beat Alabama, we go to the SEC championship. So yeah, I, I mean, that- so
0: I think so. The thing is, Ole Miss is obviously the first game you got to win because it's the first one you're playing. Uh, I expect them – I mean, just selfishly as an Auburn fan, and I'm interested to hear your take on this, do you think that how this game goes today for Ole Miss has any bearing on next week's game for Auburn? Like, do you think them getting into a dogfight with LSU this week makes it harder for them to win next week solely for this? Think about how physical – did you watch the Ole Miss-Tennessee game? Yes. Okay. Think about how physical that game was, mm. and think about our guys are sitting at home, basically healing up. If they go and they have Tennessee just up, I mean it was a beat up like bring your extra chin strap game. Yeah. If they're a, if they have another one of those against LSU, do you not think that it just becomes really difficult to come out and have a third game to out physical somebody, just because like. You can't out physical somebody three weeks in a row when you're, and I I mean, obviously, Ole Miss is ranked high, but they're not Alabama. Like, mm. they don't have these freak five stars that are non human that are all yeah. like, I mean, like Derrick Henry in the NFL is like 6'5, 250 and runs 25 miles an hour. Like, you that's know what I'm human. saying? Yeah. Like, that's Matt Corral is the only person on their team that's just like superhuman. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping for a tight game. I'm hoping for a really physical game out of LSU to kind of beat him up a little bit, but maybe that's just a soft mentality that I have as a fan.
1: Yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying. I definitely, I think it's more so like, I mean, you look at, I mean, you look at Auburn, you know, you look at Auburn in 2017, had a lot of physical games. Granted, those were physical games against elite teams. And then we just went in and we were so beat up and, you know, everyone talks about carry on, but it's like, Trey Williams was so hurt. Carlton Davis was hurt. Trey Matthews was hurt. Steven Roberts was hurt. Jarrett Stidham was hurt. It was like everyone was hurt. And that's the yeah. thing. And I feel like that's something – and I don't know I – mean, I don't know exactly about Ole Miss. But the thing is, a lot of people play hurt still. And so, when you have those kind of games, like a lot of the time, there are going to be guys playing that aren't 100%. And, honestly, we're an extremely healthy team right now. Like – Michael Ole Yeah. Like, I mean, we don't have – we're missing Owen. But besides that, we're kind of fine. Like I think I mean, yeah, Austin o- Troxel o- them- went down,
0: but honestly, Killian's year came in and almost had a better game. Than yeah, Troxell. I mean, like,
1: yeah, I mean, Troxel came in and it was like, you know, he was still available for emergency circumstances. He could have played, but he didn't need to. So it's kind of like, okay, that's not super noteworthy. Uh, and it's just like, I just feel like we're for the most part a pretty healthy team, and so I think that it's gonna be. It's going to be helpful, especially in this by that it's kind of the guys that might be playing at like eighty percent are going to get up to ninety to one hundred percent. I think that's going to be big. Uh, the Ole Miss, I just, I don't know. This is this is something kind of odd. I just haven't really seen from Ole Miss. I just haven't seen us losing to them. Like in the whole off season, whatever. Like, I knew they were going to be like this is what I expected from them. I just, I just couldn't see us losing to them just i don't know what it is i just don't think i just don't think that this, their style of play is super conducive to playing a team like us i don't think that the guys that they have i just don't think they'll win i, I don't i don't know really how to describe it
0: yeah and obviously we're going to have our old miss preview but i almost feel like they're a little overrated because the ap voters love lane Kiffin, but like they haven't they haven't really beaten anybody just been impressive like no, Tennessee, say, Tennessee's
1: not that good yeah but I think I will so I will say something that I think is commendable about Ole Miss is they find a way to win football games they and do. I think there's something to say about that like they don't always play the best so it's like you know I watched the uh you know their opener I think it was their opener against Louisville right yeah they I mean they won by three touchdowns uh but, I mean, that, that was kind of a – you know, Louisville's, Louisville's kind of not good.
0: Bad ACC team.
1: Yeah. They play, they play Alabama. They get smoked. Then they bounce back. They play Arkansas. Tough game. They found a way to win. Against Tennessee, tough game. They found a way to win. And it's not necessarily like you're not just looking at one person and being like, oh, this guy won the game. Like, you know, back – in like last year, you would have Elijah Moore throw for 250 yards. Like, against, against Arkansas, you had guy, you had two guys that ran for over 100 yards. You had Matt Corral that ran for 80. Like You don't think was,
0: Matt Corral is the guy you look at? No, no Matt Corral, Matt Corral
1: threw for 220 yards against Arkansas. It yeah, was a team he, effort.
0: He ran for, like, 200 and something yards. No, no, uh-uh. This guy is like, if you put T.J. Finley on Ole Miss, they are, like, three and four.
1: I'm not saying that at all. I think Matt is a good quarterback. I think he is a game-changing quarterback. But I don't think that he is the sole reason that they have won the, the close games that they have had. I disagree. I,
0: if, okay, you put Max Johnson on Old Miss. No shot they beat Tennessee. No shot they beat Arkansas.
1: I think they win one of those. I don't think they win both, but I think they win one of them.
0: Okay, who else is it? Okay, Bryce is really good. If you put oh, – I don't even know the name of the quarterback at Mississippi State.
1: Uh, Will Rogers?
0: Will Rogers. No way they win those games.
1: Well, no, but, I mean, Will Rogers isn't that good in the first place. So, I don't know. But, I mean, the SEC quarterbacks aren't great this year. But I do, I do agree with what you're saying. I think Matt Corral is – I mean, I think Matt Corral is the best quarterback in the SEC. But – I think that last year they were more dependent on the offense, and this year they're more dependent on playing football. Like yes, actually I would agree playing with that. football. So you look at them; they find a way to win, and I think that is something that's commendable about them. I think that the way to neutralize an offense like that, is if you can, if you can shut down the run, and you can get off the field, if you can limit them to as few drives as possible, because that's the. Th- thing once i mean corral's like nicks like but i mean corral's better than nicks but when corral gets going i mean that dude i mean he is he is one cocky i mean he is one cocky quarterback i mean if he starts hitting throws he thinks he's tom brady joe montana michael vick and cam newton all rolled into one so if you can limit him kind of getting hot, and just kind of not let him get into his groove i think that's a very important uh aspect of that game um, but, yeah, I just think that if you look at it, I think that Texas A&M game scares me the most. That Mississippi State game, Mississippi State's a better team than they look. I mean, they I watched them play Alabama. They weren't really close to winning, but they were a good football team in that game. So I think that it's very important just kind of looking at this. You know, you've got Ole Miss, Texas A&M. If we can win both of those games, it's very important to, like, keep, you know, Keep the intensity up against a team like Mississippi State. Now South Carolina, they're horrible. I mean, I think we could start all second stringers and still win by three touchdowns. They are—I think they are one of the worst football teams I've ever watched in my life. I'm not worried about that game.
0: They're pretty bad. When but you're in so, a dogfight with Vandy,
1: you're bad. Yeah, and they, I mean, guys, like they're, they're going to be starting a guy who was a coach at the beginning of the season for the re- like for the rest of the year. He's he's their guy. Like the. It is horrible. I mean, I feel so sorry for Shane Beamer. Like he, he. And that's assuming just like,
0: he doesn't get hurt because every other quarterback yeah. they've
1: had has already gotten hurt. I mean, honestly, like they might they be might starting be, a
0: receiver by the time they get to us. Yeah,
1: might be doing what uh, Kentucky did a couple years ago with uh, was it Lynn Bowden. But anyway, yeah. so just kind of, just kind of looking at just the landscape of the SEC. It's still wide open after last week uh auburn's in a great spot they really are auburn is in a great spot right now uh if we can beat ole miss you know at night in jordan Hare, we've got a lot going for us that game then texas a&m and cowfield's going to be a tough one but the thing is I mean, if we can start winning games auburn playing in atlanta this year is not really out of the question and i think that looking at how everyone on the schedule has played i don't think it's crazy to think that we could be in atlanta like, nobody left on the schedule is elite. Everyone's good, but no one's elite. Texas A&M has had games where they did not look good. Like, they beat Colorado, like, 10-7. to 7. That's not good. Ole Miss, honestly, Ole Miss against Tennessee, like, I think if they play how they did against Tennessee and we play how we did against Arkansas, I think we win that game. Alabama, they struggled against a and I mean, like, if you can just look, every te- no team has looked elite except for Georgia. And so I just think, you know, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see how it all turns out. But either right now, what are your what is your prediction for how the rest of the season will go?
0: Oh, I I think that we win out, but I think that the South Carolina game is a dud game. Like I, I don't expect the team to loot. I think Mississippi State and South Carolina are honestly the games that I'm most concerned about because Ole Miss, you have the bye week to prepare for. Texas A&M, for some odd reason, this football team has been much better when they play on the road. I don't know what the focus is that they do when they play on the road, but they're locked and loaded. I expect that to be a, a solid... I mean, it's obviously a tough game to win, but I expect Auburn could definitely win that. Barring major injury against Ole Miss, Mississippi State in South Carolina, we heard it from the Boise State fans. They were like, Harson always struggles with teams that are like inferior to him and not just like laying an egg and having the team, you know, drop to the thing, which I will say goes back to what the the, uh, Mike Bobo conversation we had earlier. This offense is not designed to blow people out either. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, when you're playing Akron and Alabama State, like, those teams are so far inferior that it's not not even a thing. Georgia State game, that it just shows you, like, this team is not going to just go have these explosive plays, and if they give up a couple of explosive plays to a bad team, like, they can't go and score a bunch. Like, they're yeah. going to be in a tough game no matter what. So that that's the problem. It's when you play the Mississippi States and South Carolinas of the world, it's hard to just run them out of the stadium because you're not hitting 80 yard bombs, you know, like you're keeping them in it. Just like you're keeping yourself in it when you're playing Georgia or Alabama. So I don't know. I hope we went out. I just, I feel like that is a lot to ask out of a first year head coach. And honestly, with the talent on the team, I mean, it, it would take a, remarkable effort by the team of execution, but I do have confidence that the game plans will be good and will put them in a position to execute, to win the games.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, I think A M and and Mississippi state are two games that you got to look real close. I mean, I, I've watched South Carolina play. I mean, I watched them play against Troy and I watched them play against Vanderbilt. I, I They're just, they're so bad. I mean, I just cannot like, I mean if but I, I think I,
0: they're on the same level as Georgia State. That's my point. Yeah.
1: That that's true. I do I do get what you're saying. You know, it's like and, you should beat them bad. Yeah. And, and if you don't it's throw a bunch football. of picks and have yeah. the
0: worst, you know, performance of your career and
1: have to get benched for TJ Finley. You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, I get I what you're know. saying. I get what you're saying. I per I mean, I just I don't know. I can't see them them being the team to do it. Now, Mississippi State, I could maybe see Mississippi State being like, okay and us having a scare with them. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Time will tell. Uh, Going through, just kind of like looking through this slate of games will be an interesting thing just to kind of help with our our view of a lot of the SEC teams uh, with today's slate of games. But a question that I asked on the page uh, yesterday, it was if you could take one former Auburn football player, excluding Heisman winners, to put on this current team, who would you pick and why? And so for us, we're just going to kind of modify this question. You're going to pick two players. You're going to pick one player that is a superstar caliber player and one guy who is really good, I mean, you know, good in college, but didn't really pan out in the pros. So, Wheeler, who are your two selections for this this uh, question?
0: Right. So, first guy that I will do is my uh, – guy who was really good at Auburn, who didn't pan out uh, in the pros, and that would be Kenny Irons. He was a running back. um, Actually, ironically enough, started his career at South Carolina, um, and when his brother David signed with Auburn, he decided to transfer um, to Auburn. When he first got to Auburn, he was uh, behind Ronnie Brown and Cadillac. Uh, So – that was uh why he didn't start playing. But let me just tell you, after he started playing, he, uh, he ended up having 2,100 uh, yards, 17 touchdowns, average 4.8 uh, yards per carry. He was an absolute monster. He was a pretty rare combination, I'd say, of speed and power. Um, he was able to bust the big play, but he was also a guy that you did not mind handing the ball off to on, you know, third and one um I'd say he was a little bit bigger than Jarquez was but he wasn't and he was a little bit more shifty than Tank was I mean he was pretty much an in-between of those two guys um really impressive player um reason he didn't pan out in the NFL uh you know he gets there and on his fourth carry in training camp he tears his ACL uh and when he returned from his ACL surgery, he got put on the physically unable to perform list and never got medically cleared to play football again. Um, so a really sad story, um, one that you don't hear of, you know, as much nowadays because of advances in, you know, surgery, specifically ACL surgeries. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really
1: good, really good Auburn running back.
0: Uh, you want to go with your – non-superstar
1: yeah so i i juggled with this one a lot um i was because i was i was mainly looking at i was looking at position groups um and i was just kind of thinking of the most glaring position group is obviously you know it's the wide receivers the offensive line of the two ones that you look at the closest so i was kind of looking between one of those um but so ultimately i think i decided on terry beasley he's a guy you know play. i mean he was you know Played uh, 1969, 1970, 1971. Didn't do it ton of the NFL, mainly due to injuries. I mean, the dude had, I mean, probably about 30 concussions in his time at Auburn. I mean, he was, you know, he, he had a lot of concussions. But, I mean, he was just an incredible football player. I mean, like, just reading his stats from 1970, he had 52 receptions, 1,051 receiving yards, and 11 touchdowns. 1971, 61 receptions, 963 yards, and 12 touchdowns. Those are, I mean, those are great stats. Like, uh, I mean, today, those are great stats. That was 50 years ago. They didn't like, they didn't throw the ball. Like, I mean, it, it was just, it was, I mean, even his first year, he had 34 receptions, 610 yards, and six touchdowns. That's really good for an Auburn receiver. We don't have guys that catch for 600 yards very often. Like, I just think that. Terry Beasley would just be a, you know, a great deep threat, just a very dynamic playmaker that would just add a little bit of consistency to this offense as a guy that just always had good hands and just a guy that could just really break that deep ball and just be a very consistent target at the wide receiver spot. Uh, So, you know, I, I juggled between, you know, guys like you know darvin adams courtney taylor emory blake carson bailey all those but i just ultimately decided on terry beasley just because i just i mean i personally think he's the best wide receiver to ever come through auburn and even though he didn't really pan out in the nfl because of injuries i just think that he would be the wide receiver from auburn's past that could help this current team the most
0: yeah um okay so then i kind of picked a defensive player to come in and uh I know that it's kind of our position of strength right now, but I don't think you can ever have too much talent at a position group. Um, especially if we were adding them for next week with Owen Papo out, I went with Carlos Dansby. So he was a linebacker at Auburn from Oh one to Oh three, um, left early to go to the NFL. He was the third linebacker taken in the 2004 draft. And, uh, I mean, the dude played in the NFL from 04 until 2017. So, super solid football player, All-American while he was at Auburn. Can you imagine, I mean, the defense that 04 would have had if this guy had stayed and been a linebacker with all that was already on that defense? It would have just been ridiculous. But in Mm -hmm. three seasons at linebacker, he uh, had 225 tackles, seven forced fumbles, 16 pass deflected, and 10 sacks. I mean – 225 tackles, That that's a good stat, but not – I mean, just 10 sacks as a linebacker, like that is an absurd amount of sacks. Yeah. I mean, that's like a defensive lineman's sack record. I mean – well, not record, but you know what I'm saying. Like that sounds yeah. like a decent defensive lineman's sack, seven forced fumbles, and then 16 passes deflected. I feel like linebackers nowadays don't even try to deflect passes. Yeah. I mean, that's not a knock to them, but it's like, it's almost become a thing of like, if you're a linebacker, just make the tackle. Like, we'll give up a, a pass to the linebacker because you're not going to be able to throw to whoever this linebacker's covering every time because we'll just go to a dime package if they're getting, you know, cooked on every play. So to have 16 pass deflections, very impressive. Um, and then in the NFL, he obviously had a great career as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love the Carlos Dansby pick. I thought about him, him or a guy like Takio Spikes. Uh, ultimately, my selection was Derek Brown, you know, doesn't need any introduction. In my opinion, you know, I think that him, Nick Fairley, and Tracy Rocker are kind of the three really interior linemen that kind of hold the crown for the best ever at Auburn. Um, I just figured that Derek Brown would help this defense the most just because of his ability to just suck in so – like, I mean, he got double teamed every play and he was still the best defensive lineman in the country. And I just think that pairing him – if you pair him with a guy like Wooden, it's like all of a sudden, it's like our defensive line goes from – like it's improving, yeah, but like it becomes probably the best in the SEC single-handedly by Derrick Brown getting there. And just kind of like looking in the past, it's like, yeah, Colby's not Marlon. But Colby's a guy like Dontavious Russell was in 2018. And so I just think that if you could get a line like that with a game changer like Derrick Brown with the linebacker core that we have, I think that it'll make all of them perform a little bit better. And I just feel like Derrick Brown would be the biggest just noticeable game changer that you could just drop in and he could make an impact. And I mean, I like, I mean, I like Tony Fair, you know, I mean, I, I think he does his job well. But I think that he does his job as a defensive tackle just to eat up blockers. Whereas Derek Brown ate up all the I mean he ate up blockers and he made the play. So yeah. I just feel like he would be a guy that would just make our defense very difficult to game plan for. And he was just the guy that uh, that I picked. Yep. But yeah, he's so still I think doing that is in the
0: NFL too. I mean exactly. he's still
1: making plays from the defensive tackle position while he's double teamed. Exactly. So Yeah. I just feel like that was just kind of a fun thing just to kind of look at. And I enjoyed looking at all the, all the responses to people. Um, You know, some people. had What? No, go ahead. Oh, my bad. So it was, I mean, some people had some, some real insightful ones and, you know, I think, I think one person picked Malik Willis and I was, I I was just a little dumbfounded. Um, But you know, it, it is what it is. It's a, it's a fun, fun thing to talk about, but you know, just kind of, just to kind of recap everything. You know, Auburn played a really good game against Arkansas. Has a tough road ahead of us. You know, I, I don't know, I don't know what my prediction right now would be, but I think that if we beat, I think if we beat Ole Miss on Saturday, I think it's a, it's a watch out kind of moment.
0: So, I agree. Do you want to do a quick uh, SEC pick'em
1: for yeah, this sure. week?
0: So, all right, I'm sitting here watching game day. We got Bill Walton doing his picks, and I've never been more happy that my television is on mute than I am in this moment right now because who knows what this man is talking about, magic shrooms or whatever else. Uh, So game number one, we've got the mighty Arkansas Pine Bluff taking on the Hogs. Line is Arkansas (laughs) minus 50 and a half. 50 and a half. Whoa, that is not the over under, ladies and gentlemen. That is the that is the line. Sheesh.
1: That is insane.
0: For this um, one, I want you to pick the pick pick based off the line, not not straight up, because that's not even, not even anything.
1: fun. So Arkansas said Arkansas Pine Bluff, right?
0: Yeah. Um, Arkansas Pine Bluff is one in five. A fifty point dog. At Arkansas, let's see, their one win. Ooh, this team got beat 35-15 to 15 by Alabama State. Yes, they have one win. It was their first game of the season against Lane. Lane College.
1: Just, just for the people that are wondering, Lane does not have their logo on the ESPN app. I was just so. about
0: to say I clicked on their on their name to see if I could see what their season had gone like, and they have no stats on ESPN. There is there's no stats on Lane other than the fact that they got beat by Arkansas Pine Bluff. Pine Bluff has just been getting, I mean, throttled every single week. They um, had one yeah. other close game against Alcorn State, but still.
1: I think – yeah, I think Arkansas covers the 50-and-a-half-point spread. Um, Over-under is 60. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd take the over on that. It's a little tough predicting someone to score over 60 points. I don't think Arkansas Pine Bluff scores. I think Arkansas wins this one, like, 52-55-0. to zero. Yikes. All right, moving
0: on to our next pick. We've got the Bayou Bengals traveling to, uh, traveling to Oxford to take on the – Old Miss Rebel Landshark Bears. Um, what you got? We'll do straight up uh, on this one. The line is Old Miss minus 9.
1: Yeah, uh honestly, I don't I, I think LSU covers the spread here. I think Old Miss gets the win, but I think LSU covers the spread. I think that LSU is a team that doesn't have anything to lose. Everyone knows Edo's gone after this year. I think the guys are going to play a little different than they have this season. I think they're going to play well. I think they're going to put up a show, but I think Ole Miss is ultimately going to get the win. I think they win by 7 to 10 points.
0: Yep, I'm going to take Ole Miss with the points. Uh, I think they win by two touchdowns, 14-point win for Hottie Toddy. All right, we've got the Pirate versus the Commodores. Just a naval, naval game here. Uh Mississippi State, a 20 and a
1: half point favorite, Noble. What do you think? I mean, on one hand, I don't think that Mississippi State should be favored by three touchdowns in a game against an SEC opponent, but also Vanderbilt is absolutely Definitely terrible. Bad. Um Yeah. Uh I think I mean I, I, in the only game I've watched of Vanderbilt this season, they were they were absolutely atrocious. I think Mississippi State wins and I think they cover.
0: I agree with that. All right, moving on, the Volunteers versus the Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide, 25-point favorites. Noble, pick in the game and then pick in the line. What you got?
1: I think Alabama wins. I think they cover the spread, but I don't think they cover it quick. I think that it'll be a game where it almost – they hang like Tennessee might hang around the first quarter, kind of going into halftime. It'll be closer, uh, but I I don't think Alabama this year – I don't think they come out and they – start winning huge i think it'll be a game where they kind of build up build up to it
0: i think it'll be 28 to 0 at halftime alabama will already be covering at halftime it is going to be an absolute bloodbath over in alabama smoke them if you got them i don't know if you're a crimson (laughs) tide fan listening to this podcast but go ahead and do it uh finally our last matchup on a really weak Saturday this is of a horrible, football.
1: horrible Saturday of SEC football. Yeah, it's, it's kind of horrible across the
0: country, to be completely honest. I mean, game day is at UCLA, Oregon, and uh, there's no one there. There is absolutely no one there. There's so few people there. They decided to bring the UCLA basketball team, my second favorite basketball team last year, solely because they beat Alabama um, and they ripped their hearts out uh okay we got south carolina texas a m 19 point favorites for the aggies noble what say you
1: um i don't know because you know I, I think south carolina south carolina came they 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 finished that uh they finished that tennessee game they ended up losing by twenty five they lost to kentucky by six um I definitely think A&M wins. I don't think it's particularly close, um, and yeah, uh, judging by judging by last week, I would say AM covers the spread. If they don't, I think South Carolina might score seven to ten in the fourth quarter and and ruin the spread against the backups. But I think AM wins, and if I was if I was putting money on it, I would say AM and covers the spread of nineteen
0: and a half. I'm gonna say A&M wins and South Carolina covers the spread. I think it's a tight game. Maybe a, like, 10-point game.
1: There you go. And that is – I mean, that concludes us going through the worst – the worst week of college football this year. Even the top 25, I'm looking through it right now. I mean, you got Cincinnati Navy, you got Oklahoma, Kansas, Northwestern Michigan, Penn State, Illinois, Wake Forest Army, Purdue and Wisconsin, that'll be a good game. Oklahoma State, Iowa State, Oregon, UCLA – Clemson and Pittsburgh, San Diego State, and Air Force. Notre
0: Dame-USC is a solid, sneaky matchup that could knock Notre Dame out of the playoff contention.
1: That's a game that ESPN loves. Yeah, it's a game that ESPN loves.
0: Except for the fact that they can't show it.
1: Yeah, but they don't care about that. They just want it to happen. They're going to be talking about it for the next three weeks, even though it's a three and three team playing against an average five and one team.
0: Well, I'm hoping USC gets the dub and we can say bye-bye to the fighting Irish.
1: Let's hope so. But yeah, that concludes our little pick them for this week. Um, we've got obviously Ole Miss next week. We're excited about that. Uh, but for today, just kind of sit back and kind of check out, check out some of the SEC teams that, We've got coming up on the schedule. Uh, we'll have another pod next week. Just kind of, it'll be a little quicker one. Just kind of breaking down Ole Miss as a whole. Uh, obviously, we won't have a game to break down. In addition to that, so just be breaking down Ole Miss, and we'll we'll be ready for ready for next Saturday and War Eagle.
0: War Eagle.